Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com/acast. Welcome along to the latest Forza Italian football podcast. It's been a busy weekend of Serie A action and finally a long Serie A season has come to an end. It was an eventful last day after a really eventful season. Um, I'm Connor Clancy and joining me to discuss round 38 of action is Vieri Capretta. Vieri, welcome along. Ciao everybody. And also joining us for the second week in a row is Vito Doria. Vito, welcome back. Yeah, thanks, Connor. Glad to be here as always. So, guys, normally it's a bit of a tough decision to work out where to start these podcasts, but there's absolutely no question this week because Francesco Totti. Oh, Crocone, come on. It's not. (laughs) Come on, Vieri, don't ruin the links. (laughs) Francesco Totti called time on his Roma career. That deserves precedence over everything else and he's getting it so I guess to kickstart the podcast tonight guys I suppose we'll just go through our personal favorite Francesco Totti moments Vieri do you want to get the ball rolling well obviously as a Roma fan you could think of a, a huge amount of, uh, of moments but uh, I'm not a Roma fan uh, unfortunately, but I am Italian. Secret there. <laughs> I, I am Italian, and uh, so my highlight has to be that penalty against Australia in 2006, and generally just winning that World Cup because uh, it is really something special for, I imagine, for the players, but, but for the nation as a whole. I've never seen uh, Italians celebrate in the same way. So that's definitely my personal highlight, but there's so many, it's, it's impossible to really pick one. Yeah, Vito. Do you have any specific ones that you want to mention? Well, for the Azzurri, as Vieri pointed out, the obvious one would have to be that penalty against the Socceroos in 2006 being come under pressure. And it just came naturally to just strike the ball right past Mark Schwarzer. But uh, at club level, um, we're talking about the season before the World Cup, 2005-2006, and Roma... But Inter 3-2 from memory. And one of the goals was a Totti goal where he picked up the ball in his own half, bet about two defenders, and Matarazzi didn't really pressure him properly, so he was still dribbling the ball into the pe- towards the penalty area. And just before he got to the semicircle outside of the penalty area, he just chips the ball over, uh, not sure if it was Francesco Toldo or Julio Cesar at the time, I think it might have been Cesar, but it was a magnificent chip over him. And just to see that solo run plus his uh, typical cucchiaio, I think uh, to me that's a goal that represents Totti in a nutshell, just that technical ability as well as the vision. And, of course, when you dribble in Serie A, when you dribble against Italian defences, it's uh, 
more remarkable than dribbling against other defences in the world. So that goal for me as a neutral was rather special to see. Yeah, I think I agree with you. That Totti goal he scored against Inter was phenomenal. The chip just wasn't even really on. When, when he hits it, you're kind of thinking, there's no way that's going in. But another one, Vito, I'm sorry to bring this up. Another personal <laughs> favourite was that volley he scored against Sampdoria, where the ball, it comes, he's on the edge of the box, out way on the left, and he has no angle at all. I saw a still taken from the moment he hit, hits it. And you can see that there's just no part of the goal that's open, but somehow he manages to get it, keep it low, and it just curls into the far bottom corner. Fantastic goal. Vieri, do you want to jump in with any more? Well, I think the, the, the last one was probably unreal. I was thinking today about how many farewell moments we've seen in football. Um, I'm thinking about, obviously, the ones I've lived in, in recent years. I'm thinking about the last match of Javier Zanetti, the last match of Paolo Maldini, the last match of uh, Alessandro Del Piero. Just to stay in Serie A, but you could go on to uh, John Terry, uh, very recent, uh, Philip Lam and Xabi Alonso. Uh, obviously, Alonso being a different case because he's not played all his career in the same place, but Lam has. Um, Gerard, And I can't think of anyone that just about gets to that level of of Totti, the, the, everybody crying, himself crying, his family, just such a, a whole city around him. So that's got to be a highlight because, as, as some commentators were saying in Italy, that's got to count more than a lot of trophies. <laughs> the, the emotions of, of that moment, um, of just the, the Curva Sud, the whole Olimpico, everybody agreeing, the whole nation and probably the world agreeing on the fact he's been incredible for football for Rome as a city um, for Italy and everyone acknowledged it himself saying you know I don't want to grow up but I have to now feels like every other footballer was more ready for it Totti just wasn't because football is his life and what he's been for football is is just incredible so you have to think that having those emotions uh, that thankfulness from the crowd has got to count for something and um I just have to add that, you know, we were talking about moments here, but it's, it's his career as a whole that is incredible. Talking 25 seasons with the same shirt. 28 years, if you, if you listen to his words, obviously counting uh, before Serie A. And um, it's 250 Serie A goals, that's second best in history. All obviously scored with Roma. Um, if you look at that, the 250 goals Totti scored are more than the whole current squad put together. Um, and if you think that the day he, he had his Serie A debut, only one-third of um, the current Serie A, um, sorry, one-third of the current Serie A players weren't even born at that point. So this and many other stats, obviously, and um, let me take the, the chance to talk about our, our video we, we have on the site, which obviously encapsulates his career as much as, as we can. It's a bit of a tribute and... Um, running over everything he's done from uh, winning the World Cup to the Scudetto to all what people have said about him and obviously all the statistics. So there's, there's all of that in, in this video you should really check out. Um, but, but on top of that, I mean, it's been moments, it's been his whole career. It's just Francesco Totti. It's a, it's a big part of, uh, of Italian football that has said goodbye just, just yesterday. I think it's a measure of the man that he had Daniela De Rossi crying in the Stadio Olimpico. And if you can make Daniela De Rossi come to tears, you're, you've done something quite special. But I think when it comes to discussing these players who are clearly deserve to be mentioned as one of the all-time greats, it's hard to really pinpoint where they actually stand. But this is a man who, Diego Maradona, who most people will f- consider one of, if not the greatest footballer to ever play the game. Diego Maradona said that Francesco Totti is the best player he has and will ever see. And if that's what Diego Armando Maradona is saying, well, that's good enough for me, and I'm sure it's good enough for most other people. We, One of the interesting things about this is, though, that all the talk is about him retiring, but he hasn't actually said he's retired. It looks like he's going to go and end up playing somewhere else. Vito, I'll bring you back in. I don't know what you think about the idea of Francesco Totti lining up in a kit that's not Roma's, but for me, it just doesn't sit right. But surely he's not going to play anywhere else in Italy. It's going to be MLS, China, somewhere like that. 
Well, the speculation I've heard is, as you said, MLS, and the other place would be the United Arab Emirates or perhaps maybe even another Middle Eastern country. So uh, it seems that he's not keen to wear another jersey within Italy. But I have heard just uh, some minor rumours that Sampdoria were even interested because Massimo Ferrero, the Sampdoria president, who's also a Roman, has some interest and liking in him, but I don't see the realism in it. And I don't think the Sampdoria coach Marco Giampaolo would approve of such a move because he had to face that Antonio Cassano. So bringing in a 41-year-old top tee, well, he's 41 in September anyway, that would not be an ideal move for some. So I think it's better if he's that keen to play, play overseas, get an easy paycheck and just leave it that way because at his age, he should not be in a position to put his body on the line week in, week out in a strong and competitive league. Vieri, on talks of the MLS, what do you think about a move to Miami? I think Alessandro Nesta might be involved with the club there. Um, He could bathe in the sun, get a decent paycheck, hang out with Kaká on his days off. Yeah, I mean, things that sound amazing for for a lot of people. I mean, I I would totally go there, but... um, I think he's not gonna he's not gonna leave Rome. To be honest, he seems like he's lived there his whole career. He's from Rome. He loves the people. The people absolutely love him. And a lot of a lot of uh, commentators and journalists in Italy are basically saying that he's different to a lot of the players um, we're used to who travel a lot. He loves Rome. He loves his life. His his wife is from Rome. We're talking about at a pure like family level here. Um, his kids are going to school in Rome. So I honestly don't see him actually leaving for, for pure logistics and just life decisions. Um, not like Del Piero, you know, who left uh, Juventus, went to Sydney, then went to India. Um, he's a different type of man. Del Piero wanted to see the world, wanted to travel. I don't see Totti doing that personally. Um, and he, he has said it's his last Roma game, obviously. <laughs> and we've seen the reception there. Um, it'd be a bit funny if, he, if it's actually not. But um, he's obviously not going to play anywhere else in Italy. And I don't see him playing anywhere else in the world. I honestly think it was his last game. But it's, it's a personal opinion. Obviously, if anything, he would have to move to somewhere, um, like you said, Miami, because there's a, there's a good friend of him receiving him, Nesta, and uh, the MLS. He needs to go into a league where he would play because there's no point in continuing a career on the bench. So at none, none of the top leagues... Um, are are able to offer him playing time. So, if anything, he would he would do his best in a league like the MLS, and it would be a lot of fun from a marketing point of view. It'd be very interesting to see what happens next. Definitely. Well, he showed when he came on in the thirty-five minutes or so that he played that he's still got a lot of ability. He might not be able to move around the same way that he once could, but he can still pick out a pass and. When he has the ball at his feet, there's not much that he can't do, really. If we're going to talk about Roma then, away from Francesco Totti, begrudgingly, um, they did win and secured their place in the group stages of next season's Champions League. What do we think? Are, is Italian football better off that Roma got the automatic place so that they don't have to go through the qualifier? Because surely you'd fancy Napoli in a qualifier more than you'd fancy Roma. Vito, what are your thoughts? I have to agree with you there, Connor. Last season, they showed, well, actually at the start of this season, Roma showed that they could not handle that knockout uh, or two-legged playoff system. So for them to go straight into group stage would be easier for them mentally. And uh, Napoli, they're a different proposition than what they were when they were knocked out by Athletic Bilbao a few seasons ago under Rafa Benitez. So I think the way Sarri has Napoli set up, that might suit them better. And I don't think they would uh, bottle under the pressure in the same way Roma would. Yeah, well, we've had plenty of Roma talk recently. And Vito, you actually wrote a piece about Stefano Sharawi. Do you think next season he has the ability and the know-how to actually take a bigger role in this team? I personally think he does. 
Unfortunately, after that phenomenal 2012-2013 season with AC Milan, he had injuries and then he had that spell at Monaco on loan, which was uneventful. So if he can get his body right, and depending on who takes over as Roma coach next season, I think a player of El Shirari's speed, talent, and also goal-scoring ability, I think he can be very decisive and he can be a great contributor for the Giallo Rossi. But it's really up to his body, number one, and number two. It also depends on how the next coach sets up the team as well because uh, I wouldn't like to see El Shirari wasted out of position because uh, he needs to be in goal-scoring positions. Yeah, when he's on form, he's a really exciting player to watch. Just his form seems to drift in and out of being good and bad a bit too often, but I guess that's a symptom of not playing every week. As we said, we have had plenty of Roma stuff up on the site, so head over to ForzaItalianFootball.com and have a read of that. Uh, we've got two tribute pieces of sorts to Francesco Totti. As we said, Vito has done a piece on El Shirawi, and as Vieri touched on, there's an excellent video, probably the best video we've had on the YouTube channel, to be fair to Vieri and Nick. They did a great job on the on Francesco Totti. It's emotional. You might end up crying about as much as Francesco Totti, Daniel De Rossi and Alessandro Florenzi did over the weekend. But the team that were left to suffer because of Roma's win were Napoli, who, well, they were Napoli again. and They absolutely pumped Sampdoria, Fieri, or Vito, I'm, I'm sorry to say it. But if we're looking ahead to next season, Fieri, where do Napoli need to strengthen to have a real challenge in the Champions League and even for the Scudetto? Well, it's so difficult because when you see them play, they, they're a perfect orchestra, mechanism. Everything works as it is. It's almost like if you touch something and change something, you have no idea how what way it could go. Um, so I think in terms of buying new players, obviously everyone's hoping that the young ones develop mentally, physically, tactically into better players more consistent, uh, more ready for big games. But I think from a purely uh, positional point of view, maybe the fullbacks that could be done a little bit and, and definitely in goal just because Pepe Reina just lost a bit of his, uh, his ability from the best times, although he's an absolutely charismatic leader that Napoli, if Napoli let go of Reina, they'll probably um, you know, lose something there, even if not on the pitch, off the pitch for sure. So that's where I would intervene on the, on, in the transfer window, on, on some defenders, I'd say fullbacks, and maybe on a goalkeeper. But up front, what, what can you change there? It's, it's almost impossible. Obviously, if you were to, to put, bring in, a, in, in attack, it's almost impossible to change something. In midfield, Hamsik has to stay. The other two, I don't think you can, you can buy anyone who's better than the current ones, really, with Napoli's budget. Obviously, if you tell me, you know, buy someone like Tony Kroos or Modric or even Iniesta, I'm like, I'll tell you, all right, well, then, then you're making the team better. But it's, it's useless to say. It's so obvious. But, you know, someone like Zielinski, with the extra experience of this season, could turn up to be one of the best midfielders in Europe in no time. So I think just Napoli need to hold on to what they've got and all the contract renewals, the last one being uh, Dries Mertens, uh, are going in that direction. And then, you know, they can, they can only do better from where they're at now and probably challenge for the Scudetto next season. One of the things about that midfield is that between Alan, Jorginho, Diawara and Zielinski, as you said, they all seem not happy, but they will settle with not playing every week because they know they will get enough games over the course of the season and they just seem so motivated under Maurizio Sarri and that says a lot about his coaching skills and man management really but as you said going forward they're ridiculous they are so good and they showed that again at the weekend Lorenzo Insigne and Dries Mertens in particular that Insigne goal was sensational Vito I'm sure you were watching those goals, I must admit, they were fantastic strikes. Uh, we've said so for the season on the podcast that Napoli play excellent football, but if we could analyse each goal, well, the Mertens one, OK, Vasco Regini gifted him, you know, a weak clearance, but still the shot by Mertens was fantastic. 
And in Senior's goal, he just he just turned on the accelerator, just went full speed ahead on the left wing, and that chip over Christian Pujoni was sublime. Saw him off his own, and that was beautiful. Third goal, bad defending by Sump. They looked all over the place, but to persist in the way they did, Napoli, um, to combine with all those passes and then Hamsik with the diving header, um, it was still a good effort by the captain. And the fourth goal, um, I wrote a piece about Jose Cajon a few weeks ago, and he added his 14th goal of the season with a fantastic volley. Uh, but even Sampdoria, they had two good consolation goals, especially the Alvarez one dribbling tight area. Mind you, the Quayarella goal was probably the most boring one he's ever scored. He scored with a tapping. So as a neutral, that game was a, a good one to watch. Although as a sump fan, you know, a disappointing way to end the season. But this is the Napoli Serie A needs to see week in, week out. And um, more of this from Masadi's side against all kinds of opposition. Uh, it can only be better for Napoli as a club and as a city. And Italian football in general. One of the mo- one of the most interesting quirks of this season, if you will, was if you take out October, I think it was when Napoli slipped up a little bit, and include every other month, Napoli would have won the Scudetto. So that shows just how good they have been this year, and they're really not far off actually competing properly next season. But if you look at teams that showed a great run of form towards the end of the season, Crotone and. They did it, guys. We've been talking about them for a while, but they actually stayed up. I know they owe Empoli and Palermo a lot of credit for that, but seriously, Vieri, just how amazing is this story and where the hell was this form pre-March? Well, I'm going to start off with, with saying that it's it's comp- well, absolutely unbelievable. For me, it's almost on the same level as Leicester winning the Premier League. Um, but I think... You need to listen to what Nicola, obviously the coach, said a couple of months ago when they just about started, when he started seeing what he wanted to see and they started getting the first good results. He basically said that you need, to, you need time to adapt to Serie A. The jump from Serie B to Serie A is a lot bigger than what people think. And a lot of teams usually spend a lot on the transfer window or at least bring in a lot of new players. But Crotone essentially kept the same bulk as Serie B. Uh, Pescara did the same. A lot of teams have done the same in the past season. Carpi, Frosinone from last year, they all got relegated. <laughs> you know, the only team that stayed up that I can think more or less kept the same team is the Sassuolo a couple of years back. But um, Crotone did that, obviously bringing in Falcinelli and uh, Trotta up front, who were, you know, for them, big names in the transfer window, but they didn't change much. And bear in mind, they didn't even have a home ground for the first three, I think, home games. They had to play in Pescara. So basically, they, you know, they were almost sure, sure to be relegated. And it seemed that way until you know, the very last game. Think about the, the past month. Empoli, obviously, they, they were 11 points ahead. And then lost it all. But they, in this time in which they lost all these points to Crotone, they also won at the San Siro against Milan and in Florence against Fiorentina. Like, imagine if they hadn't done these two results, which, you know, for Empoli are unreal. I mean, Fiorentina and Milan haven't had their best seasons. I'll give you that. But, you know, definitely unexpected wins. So on top of that, you know, Crotone still managed to, to avoid, um, avoid relegation. On touching a bit on what the other coach, Martuscello, Empoli's coach, said, it is true that um, all the media and all the fans, me and myself included, everybody wanted Crotone to stay up. And he basically said after the final game that his players were just not good enough to handle the pressure. He said himself wasn't good enough to handle the pressure because a whole country was almost against them. Um, and that obviously is, uh, is not very nice for Empoli because it's not like they've done anything bad. Uh, but, you know, it's just an amazing, amazing thing. And it's, it's given that extra little um, reason to follow Serie A in the final games. And everyone who was saying, you know, we need a Serie A that's now only 18 teams because 20 is too many. We cannot keep the level, you know, good enough. Everyone has to, has to take their word back because what Crotone have done is, is a miracle. It's amazing. 
That's the thing. We've been extremely critical of Empoli on this podcast from the start of the season, criticizing their lack of goals and just everything, basically. But then in the last couple of months, we've kind of had to shut up about it because they've, they've put up a brave fight. But then when it came down to the end, they it's kind of harsh to say they bottled it, but they really did choke. They, they were playing Palermo, who if you could pick your last game of the season when you need three points... You would pick either Palermo or Pescara, and they just couldn't get the job done. But as Vieri said, there is a huge gap between Serie B and Serie A that a lot of people don't really realise. Vito, I'll bring you in here. Do you think that because there's three teams coming up again, surely Crotone will fancy their chances of staying up again next season? It really depends on how the other teams uh, rebuild. So depending on what Spal and Hellas Verona do to their teams, it's going to be another tough challenge for Crotone. But another thing too is also how Crotone, how they decide to invest on the transfer market too. Where David and Nicola has an advantage is, of course, this is his first season with the team and in the remaining rounds he had stable first 11 they understood his 4-4-2 formation so um, going on to next season depending on how many players leave or stay they just got to add the right players who suit his style understand his tactics better than others and uh, another survival of the relegation battle is uh, a possibility because it just goes to show that Sometimes what is required is just patience and persistence. And I must give credit to the Crotone president, Vrenna, for sticking with David and Nicola because any other coach, I mean, any other president, whether it be Zamparini from Palermo, Lotito at Lazio, or my mate at Genoa Preziosi, they would just uh, sack Nicola without even thinking twice. So I think it's great that Crotone bucked the trend and just uh, stick to the guns and gave Nicola an opportunity to prove himself. I think if that was at Genoa, he would have been sacked at least three times throughout the course of the season and brought back. <laughs> but um, you said patience is key, and one of the most amazing stats to surface from this Serie A season backs that up. Out of 3,420 Serie A minutes, excluding added time this season, Crotone were, for 3,343 of them, in the drop zone. And they were only safe for 77 minutes. But they happened to be the last 77 minutes of the season and they stayed up. And we've already been planning our trip to Calabria next season to take in a Crotone game. So listeners, all come along and we'll have a great time. But the result, they did play Lazio, we probably should mention, and beat them. And that result means that Atalanta finished fourth. So, Guys, we've spoken about their achievement of getting a European place, but the European place has dropped down to sixth this year. Vieri, just how big of an achievement is it for a club the size of Atalanta who don't spend money, they just focus on their young players all the time and inevitably sell them off? How big of an achievement is it for them to be the best of the rest once you take out the top three? It's unbelievable. It's almost on the same level as Crotona avoiding relegation. And it's <laughs> on the same level as Leicester winning the Premier League. No, but jokes aside, they, they have the best youth sector in, in Italy. And everyone knows that. Everyone who follows Italian football uh, a little bit knows that Atalanta do fantastically well with, uh, with the youth. Usually they sell them earlier than, than what they've done with uh, these three or four that have come up this season. Um, and you have Gasperini who put them all in at the, in the same game against Napoli, <laughs> winning that game. And then from then on, it's just been a complete, you know, perfect season, really, with, uh, with El Papu dragging along all the youngsters and um, fantastic player, fantastic player, both uh, on and off the pitch. And you just cannot um, not like Atalanta. Uh, the way they've played that intensity, just always aggressive football, always trying to win. If you think about the last two or three games, Atalanta, you know, they had already uh, conquered Europe. You, you would have thought in any other season, they probably would have let go a little bit. They won their final, I think, two or three games. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... Um, yeah, they won their last two and drew with Milan in the third from the end. Per, yeah, so the, the draw with Milan was the point they needed to secure Europe, I think. Um, 
and then they won the, the last two without without any motivation on paper. But what they got from that is their fourth place, and it's an incredibly good achievement. And if uh, if anything, they'll go to Europe, they'll get some money out of that, and they'll probably be selling their players soon. And you know, then it's a matter of of how much the president can resist the offers, and if the money come, if and when the money comes in. Uh, be able to invest it properly to try and maintain this level because you know Atalanta will have to play the Europa League next year, and you know it's official. No escaping there. No, it's it's been an unbelievable season. But I wrote about this, and it's just going to be a continuation of that cycle where the youths have come through and impressed. But this summer, they're they're all going to leave. Basically, Andrea Conti last season said he was going to stay for one more year. That year is done now, so he's going to move on. Um, he's been linked with Milan. His agent has said he'd be stupid to turn down an offer to go to Milan. Frank Kessie looks like he's moving ever closer to joining Milan. I think I saw a report, not confirmed, that his medical is actually at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. So that'll it, be interesting. It is, it is pretty much confirmed. Okay. We, can, we can give the news. It should be at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. And uh, the fee should be 28 million uh, euros. So, you know, a decent sum, a decent sum. Or you you could argue it's a bargain if if he if he continues this form next year, but it's a lot of money coming in. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. It's a great deal for Atalanta and for the potentially for Milan who sign him. But we've got the in midfield. First of it was Daniela Baselli came through. He then he was sold. Then Roberto Gagliardini filled his place, and then he was sold. Francesi then and he's going to be sold. But next up is just going to be Filippo Maligoni made his debut this season, and he's probably just going to play a bit more next. Um. I suppose we'll move on because we've spoken plenty about Atalanta. If you want to read my piece, I'd recommend it. Go over to ForzaItalianFootball.com. We'll move on to the Milan clubs. Um, AC Milan were beaten by Cagliari, though their performance was probably quite good. It crossed the, put in an incredible performance for Cagliari to win them that game. And Inter, once again, well, they won when it doesn't really count. Didn't they? they beat Udinese 5-2. Forget the games because they don't really mean all that much in a wider context. But if we're looking at the summer. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Vito, what do you think Milan should do? They've been linked with Frank Kessie, as we said. Alvaro Morata is another one. Andrea Bellotti. What do you think they're going to do in the summer? In my opinion, I reckon the Morata one is actually more realistic than getting Balotti because the Torino president, Urbano Cairo, is really holding out for the 100 million euro bid. And more than likely, that bid will come from a club outside of Italy than someone in Serie A. So I don't think Cairo would want to sell to AC Milan because he probably won't get the profit that he would like. So with the Morata move, though... Um, I reckon he would be an excellent investor for AC Milan, given that uh, they do invest in other positions and the Chinese ownership uh, give enough money for Vincenzo Montella to build a team that suits his 
attacking philosophy. Uh, Morata was a fine player for Juve and he did well in big games as well. Played a part in that 2014-2015 Champions League campaign. So he is familiar with Serie A action as well. And he's about, he's 25 now. So now this is his chance to peak. At Real Madrid, he's still not getting those opportunities. And Florentino Perez, I'm sure he'd make good money out of him if the rumours of 70 to 80 million euros are true. So it's not like Real Madrid are letting him go for a bargain. If AC Milan do purchase Morata, um, it would be an excellent signing. And maybe with more stability and less competition in the forward positions, uh, he might really thrive as a striker and really fulfil his potential. Yeah, well, if we're going to look at Inter then, Vieri, they've spent ridiculous money in the last couple of seasons. They were in a bit of bother with financial fair play, which meant they couldn't, they actually weren't allowed to register a lot of their players for the Europa League squad last season. What are they going to do this summer? Because surely they've proven that throwing money at it isn't doing all that much for them. But again, they're being linked with selling Ivan Perisic, who looks like he's going to go to Manchester United or maybe Chelsea, probably United. So that will give them a bit of money to reinvest. Where do you think they need to put that money? Well, the first thing they had to do was uh, make sure the club had a clear hierarchy in, um, in you know, the sporting director and all the key elements you need in a, to make a club work. And Juventus is a prime example there. And obviously they got Walter Sabatini in. Um, they might be bringing uh, Oriali back. And then you've got Auxilio, who was there from before, Javier Zanetti. And you've got that structure there. Now, from there, obviously, selling Perisic means you, you sell one of the best players of the team, but you cash in a lot from him. And the truth is, let's be honest, you could probably be selling any of the current Inter players. There's nobody who you absolutely want to hold on to, if not maybe Mauri Cardi, even though him personality-wise as well, you see there's something lacking there anyway. There's, it's not like he's a player you absolutely want to keep. So... Um, I don't think it's an issue if they, if they let go of Perisic. What they need to do is spend that money correctly and make sure they buy the players, the coach they pick, wants and needs. And they have to make sure they buy players who really believe in the Inter project, in you know, wearing that shirt, having that kind of um, personality, that really believing in the Nerazzurri colors and not just saying it, not just the, you know playing to their maximum level as long as they're fighting for the Champions League and then dropping it completely. That's not how a professional player does, you know, football. That's just wrong. And I think it encapsulates inter-season, um, the final two games where when they were completely out of the Europa League run, they went back to playing decent football, obviously against teams who had not much to say. But, you know, they, they won their games. So... It's hard to pick names that could really lift the, the team. But you saw someone like, you know, they brought in Guardiola in January and he became one of their best players because he really wanted the move to Inter. He's, um, he's a strong midfielder, technically gifted, but it's not like João Mario and Banega aren't good players. What they need is, is the real personality, especially, I think, in midfield and probably in defense. So once you've got that, a big, nice, um, big name on the, on the bench, really. I think Luciano Spalletti could be a very good shout. And then uh, I reckon Inter will be competitive, more so than AC Milan, if they get things right. Well, they do have the ingredients. Like, Inter beat Atalanta 7-1 this year when things were going well for them. And this is an Atalanta defence that were, I think, the second or third best in Serie A at the time. And Inter put seven past them. It's just since then, things have gone in complete opposite directions for both clubs. Talking about the Milan clubs, this links into one of the questions we've got on the live comments from Eagle. Vieri, I'll give this to you. What are your thoughts on foreign ownerships in Italian football? Well, there's, um, my thoughts is that I absolutely love the passion uh, an, a, an actual supporter president puts in. We've had Moratti, we've had Berlusconi. Uh, now you can look at De Laurentiis uh, at Napoli without going back to Cragnotti at, at Lazio and the 
the ones who basically <laughs> went bankrupt to in order to win a Scudetto, but that's how much they wanted it. Uh, Sensi at Roma, they went bankrupt. Cecchigori at Fiorentina. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of examples. So it's not always good for the club. You know, Fiorentina had that supporter, president, fan, the number one fan of the club. They went to Serie C, that's the fourth Italian division, um, because of that, because they went bankrupt. So if they bring in money, like Inter, Inter's president, uh, Inter's sooning group, owners uh, seem to be doing, then that's where the future is going. And you, you have it in, in the Premier League. You have it in, uh, with Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, you'll soon have it, I, I reckon, probably in Spain as well, just because football isn't sustainable anymore. The sums are huge, and you need someone who is really, really rich, you know, richer than Berlusconi. So, and you need solid financial stability as well, and a group like Suning has that. So that's the thing. You'll lose a bit of the romantic side, and, you know, that's sad. No one's going to give you that again. You'll probably get more financial stability. The problem is to making that financial stability translate into results. And you need people who know football. That's why you need to bring in people like Sabatini at Inter, People like Fassone at Milan, someone who knows his way around football, who knows how to treat uh, agents when it's uh, time to buy a player, knows who's good, who's bad, and, um, and won't just you know, focus on big names because they're big names, but will be able to build a strong squad in order to get results. When you've got that all put together, when you have results on the pitch, I think there's nothing wrong with a foreign ownership. That was a good answer. I hope it answers our listeners slash viewers question. We're going to talk about Juventus, but first we're just going to touch on the situation in Serie B. The playoffs are going on at the moment. Carpi beat Frosinone in the second leg 1-0 with a late, late, late goal tonight. So they're in the final and they will play either Benevento or Perugia. Who It would be nice to see either of those teams in Serie A. I'm sure you guys will both agree. That game is nil-nil from the first leg, I think it was as well. So that's tomorrow night and it's all to play for. Vito, if you were to pick Carpi, Benevento or Perugia, who would you like to see in Serie A the most? If it's a case of who I want to see in Serie A, uh, I would like to see Benevento there. Again, going with the theme of having more Southern Italian representation in Serie A, I think it would be a fantastic achievement for them to get up there because this is their first season in Serie B and to do what Spal did to go from Serie well from Liga Pro to Serie B then trading to Serie A that would be another incredible achievement too and also for the Campania region in general uh, it would be great to see Benevento up there because Napoli is obviously the big team but Salernitana had a spell in the 90s and then going further back to the 40s from memory. Then Ivalino had a great run in the 1980s. So to see another team from that region and from the Mezzogiorno get up to Serie A, it would be a remarkable achievement. And also, also depends with them as well if they can do a Crotone themselves, you know, just coming from a small town and then just surprise the establishment just with a bunch of unknown players and young players. So yeah, I'm really hoping that Benevento, they really end up winning the playoffs. Yeah, I'd be happy to see either Perugia or Benevento. We've shown that we're big fans of the Southern teams on this just for a bit of diversity. But um, Perugia wouldn't be bad either. And if you want to know more about that, head over to ForzaItalianFootball.com where Marco Jackson has written a brilliant piece on Perugia's rise. And he looked at them. But I should correct myself, actually. Benevento are 1-0 up from the first leg, so... At the moment, anyway, Touchwood is looking like it's going to be Benevento against Carpi in the final. Right, then, Juventus, they beat Bologna with a last-minute goal. It was, Vieri, you might be able to pronounce this guy's first name for me, Moise Keane. Is that all right? It should be more like Kane, I think. Something in between Keane and Ken. Right. But um, I would, I've heard people say Ken and I've heard people say Keane. I'm going to go with Keane. It's just the Irish in me. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> listeners, call me stupid, I'll accept it. But he was actually the first player born in the 2000s to score in Serie A 
and the youngest Serie A goal scorer by default for about 24 hours until Pietro Pellegrini popped up against Roma, who was born in 2001. So that was unfortunate. But Juventus got their win. We've spoken to death about them in a Serie A context this year. They are obviously head and shoulders above everyone else. We analysed them quite in a quite a bit of depth last week after they won the Scudetto. So looking ahead briefly to the Champions League final, not too much because we will have a super special Champions League final preview podcast coming out on Thursday, guys, so look out for that. But Vieri, Juventus are going to win, aren't they? Well, I've been saying it for a while. Um, I, don't, I don't want to jinx it. That's that's not why I'm saying it. But um, I believe I believe they've got everything to win, finally. And um, the reason being, they've they've got all those little components you need. I think what they lack is is that just that ability to win finals historically. That could that little seed they might have been they might have in that in their mind. Um, but uh, you know, playing against um, against Real Madrid, who instead are a team that a club that historically always win finals or almost always eleven out of fourteen, whereas Juventus have lost um, six, I think, out of eight. So you know, it's it's not the same kind of numbers going in. But you you have a team with the best defense in the Champions League by a mile. They've only conceded three goals. They're really solid, really complete. They've got all those. They've got fast players. They've got strong players. They've got charismatic players. They've got the ones with personality. Um, Real Madrid have all of these components, but as a team, Juventus just work a lot better. And they can play those three slash five at the back uh, that are able to control Real Madrid's attack, I think, fairly well. Of course, when you have Cristiano Ronaldo, anything can happen. Uh, but Juventus have, have just got it in them to win this competition. They knocked out Barcelona, which is on the same level as knocking out Bayern Munich for Real Madrid. Uh, but they absolutely dominated in contrast to what Real Madrid did. And let's not forget, nobody's ever won the Champions League in its current format for two seasons in a row. So that's a, that would be a big thing for Real Madrid to do. And um, so all these ingredients put together, the final recipe you know, says that Juventus, I think, are likely favorites. I think they're going to win it. I think they're going to do it. And um, it's going to be tough for, for fans of all other Italian clubs to put up with, uh, with Juventus winning the treble. <laughs> um, but, you know, but, you know, it says a lot about the progress Italian football, or at least just Juve, have done in the past uh, three or four or five seasons, leading to the final two years ago and leading to this final, which obviously comes after a much better Champions League campaign and with Juventus being really confident they can do it. Yeah, I think, well, just touching on the quality of Italian football, Juventus have kind of pulled other teams up closer to their level. I was looking back at Atalanta finished with 72 points on previous years. 72 points would have been enough for second place two years ago. And Napoli and Roma both set their own high record points in Serie A. So the quality is slowly improving. Maybe if the Milanese clubs can come back, we might see it a bit more dominant in Europe especially with the extra place coming to Italy next season. But Vieri, or Vito, sorry, this game has kind of been branded as a, a great defense against a great attack and Juventus being the defensive team. But looking at this, is it more going to be one in midfield? Because Tony Cruz and Luka Modric have been fantastic for Madrid this year, but so too have Sami Kadera and Miralem Pjanic for Juve. So do you think that's where the real difference will be? It will play some difference to it. Um, it will be significant, uh, but uh, it's all about uh, all aspects of the squad and how each department is set up too. So about the midfield battle in particular, they've got Casemiro as the defensive midfielder of Real Madrid. So while Modric and Cruz, they provide a bit of... Uh, quality and they help uh, feed Benzema, Cristiano Ronaldo or Isco when he's playing, um, that's going to be important. But Casemiro, if he can uh, keep an eye on Dybala, that would be one aspect of Real Madrid's midfield that uh, you've got to be weary of. Uh, 
Kate Samiro should not be allowed to break down any Yulva attacks. Uh, from the Yulva perspective, um, it's not going to be easy for them, in my opinion, to hold on to the ball a lot. But this is where the likes of Kadira and Pjanic, they've got to be effective with the balls at a midfield. Um, I expect Real Madrid to have more possession than Juve. So whenever Juve gets the chance to win the ball back, it's all about being aware of where they are on the pitch and knowing where their teammates are, just playing those right passes. If they pass with efficiency and also with vision and give that not that trying that quartet of attackers, the chance to counter-attack and make the most of the space that Real Madrid's defence would leave, um, that's where the midfield will be decisive for Max Allegri's team. I think for today, that's enough on the Champions League final. But as I said, there is going to be a special Champions League preview podcast. So that'll be coming out on Thursday. So keep an eye out for that, guys. Um, that just about brings us to the end, but we do have a bit of housekeeping to attend to first. Uh, we had the competition for the Roberto Baggio mug and print. The print was done by the same guy who drew that beautiful Papa Gomez print behind me, for those of you watching. We had a few entries. Most of the entries went for Marcello Lippi as their answer, but I think that just turned into a case of people copying because they saw other people going for Lippi because... Only one person got the answer right. And his name on YouTube anyway is Sleepy Doggy. We have been in touch with you. If you're listening or watching, check your messages. Um, If you could reach out to us, that'd be fantastic. Just get in touch with us by sending an email to Forza Italian Football at snack-media.com. Check your YouTube messages. There is one there. For those of you who just voted, for Marcello Lippi because everyone else did. Take a serious look at yourselves, guys. Come on. But um, we do also have the Forza Italian Football Annual Awards going on at the moment. And Vieri, you've been helping Nick out on the YouTube channel with some videos. Have you casted your votes in all the categories for Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, Club of the Year? I've casted, um, I've casted yeah, more than one vote. Sometimes the, the page just refreshes. Um, or I just <laughs> use different browsers to have my players win. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's looking like um, some categories will have a complete landslide. Um, flop of the year, enter. I mean, <laughs> you, you have time until, until the 5th of, uh, of June, if I'm not wrong. To, to cast your vote in a lot of these categories. But some of them, you know, surprise of the season, guess who? Atalanta. A youngster of the season, will it be Donnarumma? Well, if you really love Sheik, you can still try and make him win. <laughs> It'll probably Donna, be Donnarumma. Um, and then obviously signing of the season, um, best signing of the season, worst signing of the season. Uh, you got best player of the season. That's where there's a bit of a battle. I personally voted, I can, I can say my vote is uh, Sami Khedira. Um, but there's a lot of big names there, and um, and it's almost impossible to to really pick one. I was a bit divided, you know. I thought Raja Nangolan had an amazing season as well, but Kedira will have a scudetto um, won by the end of it. So, you know, just go for it, go for it, vote for who you prefer, and um, you'll find out who wins on the fifth of June. I I actually voted on my phone and on the laptop. I didn't realize that I'm opening it in different browsers, but one of the votes I gave to Papa Gomez just because. And then I think Sammy Kadira got my more serious vote because he has been sensational in that Juventus midfield. Papa Gomez just deserves it for his dance, to be honest. Oh, definitely. We've, we've all been doing that dance in our spare time. Let's not lie to the listeners. Vito, you hadn't voted last week. Have you changed that this week? Yeah, yes, I have. And, uh, if you haven't had a chance to vote for it, viewers and readers, do yourself a favour and uh, vote for the categories because they're quite interesting. And uh, in particular, for goal of the year, vote for Patrick Schick. That goal against Crotone was marvellous. Mm. You know, better than Dennis Bergkamp himself. I'll say it that much. <laughs> better than Bergkamp. Vote for it. It was fantastic. Fotsadoria. <laughs> On our little spreadsheet where we were putting that up, I put this is the right answer in brackets beside it and then forgot to vote for it because I'm an idiot. 
But um, anyway, if you like the stuff we're doing on the podcast, the website, the videos, which have been bloody brilliant, so hats off to Nick and Vieri for those. You can help us out a little bit going over to patreon.com forward slash Forza Italian Football. A few of you have. Um, we've had another couple in the last week or two, so thank you very much. It does help. We do really appreciate it, and we love you more than anyone else. We will be adding some even more bonuses over the summer. There's probably going to be some extra content for those of you who sign up so make sure you get over there and do that look out for the special preview champions league podcast on thursday we'll be back again with our Serie A season review this time next week maybe a little bit earlier we were held up this week because of me but yeah tune in for that but other than that i suppose follow us on social media facebook and instagram at forza italian football we're on twitter at Serie A ffc I'm on Twitter at Concalcio. I'm on Facebook at Connor Clancy. Vieri, social media shout out. Yeah, well, follow me on Twitter at Vieri Capretta. That's uh, just my name and my surname. Nothing special, nothing like Concalcio. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, do keep an eye on all, on all our content. And, uh, you know, any comment or stuff, let us know what you think about all our various... The, the, you'll have a lot of team of the seasons coming out very soon. Um, and yeah, we want to know what you think, what you think about the, the last Serie A season as well. Vito, quick social media wrap up from you. Yeah, you can follow me on my Facebook fan page. So that's just under my name, Vito Doria. Otherwise, uh, you can follow me on Twitter and my Twitter handle is at Vito C Doria. All right. We're all heading off to Calabria to celebrate, but... Until next week, there's not really much for me to say, except ciao for now.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 